Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, pretty quiet night on the scoreboard. The Jays are off. They will take on the Philadelphia Phillies tomorrow to begin a series. And, of course, uh, Week 11 begins in the Canadian Football League uh, as the Edmonton Elks will visit the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And Eugene Lewis is back for the Elks in the receiving core. Fullback Tanner Green will be back as well. Unfortunately, uh, Lucha Spearfoy out with a calf injury. Could be long-term, along with Elliot Brown, who uh, suffered a knee injury in that loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll talk football in a moment with this gentleman, because uh, he's got a vested interest in the game, of course, on Thursday, but also has a vested interest in the Canadian League Basketball League. Season wrapped up this weekend. And the Scarborough Shooting Stars with an 82-70 win over the Calgary Surge. And uh, Mike Morielli, the commissioner of this league, helped create this league, joins us once again on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Mike, nice to talk to you again and uh, have you back on the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Edmonton is pretty happy that Scarborough won, of course, because it's NBC, <laughs> any, anybody but Calgary. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about, I mean, Championship Weekend, I always think, is is pretty cool in the CEBL. And I, I like the, uh, you have to explain the format now to people about right. how you get there, but it's pretty simple as well. But tell me about, you know, the season wrapping up once again and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty thrilling to have a first-time winner. Yeah, it is. I mean, for a team, well, the two teams in the game, one was a, a very first year, uh, you know, a franchise out in Calgary. The other was a second year who was in the, the big game the year before loss. So um, the matchup was excellent. It kind of shows right there the growth of the league, you know, the move from single entity ownership to private ownership and, and how that takes off. Uh, the parity in the league was incredible. There was only a, a couple games between, you know, anyone at any given time. So, I mean, all the fundamentals are there. And uh, we culminated in a, just a great uh, week in the Vancouver Langley area with some great games and a brand new champion. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, you know, here in Edmonton, we, you talked about the the private ownership and just how much the Stingers have really connected with the fan base. And you know, we see the watch parties for playoff games. And just, just speak to what the ownership has been able to do with uh, Reed Clark and others uh, here in Edmonton to uh, you know just to to carry on kind of just a real success story. Yeah, we have some great people in, 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 in Tank and Jamie and Reed um, that have taken, you know, what we were able to build from, you know, a far distance uh, and amplify it. And that's the kind of the goal of, of the private ownership is to get into community, get into the business uh, community as well. But what they have done specifically in terms of getting people in the building and showcasing um, how great of a not only a basketball event, it's way more than that. Uh, you know, cultural nights, theme nights, uh, a place to come together uh, to just socialize and, and share an experience. So every team has, has invested in that, and they continue to invest in the community side, and then it just spills over onto the court and into the stands. And, and that's kind of the, you know, all grounded in that Canadian content, uh, and that's kind of the recipe for success. So 10 teams in the league, are they all privately owned now? We are uh, six owners amongst 10 teams. Okay. So we are getting close to, to where we need to be. And, and there are, in, in each one of those kind of available markets, there's, there's a bunch of people waiting. So, you know, we are, we are looking quite closely at, at where we go next. Yeah, speak about that process, because, you know, I think it was smart for the league to, 
to go with that central ownership to begin with, but it's, there's also a lot of work involved in that as well, Mike. Uh, but but speak about just just morphing the league into central ownership into now, like you say, half the league is now privately owned, and hopefully more uh, soon, and hopefully every team is privately owned. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's sticking to kind of the the league first mentality and, and making sure that we provide the league office provides services to the to the teams to make sure that they can do what they need to do and and we go out and and generate revenue and and uh, take care of things to to make sure this league continues to run smoothly because it, we have the experience over the last five or six years of what we've built and we built it in a way that we knew these days were coming. So it's kind of you know we're at a, a bit of a tipping point right now where we're going to go. It's it's exciting. We're going in the in the right direction very quickly, and you know because we are built underneath, that we're able to withstand it and kind of you know shake and shift if we have to. Yeah, everyone talks about the Elam ending. Who talks about the CEBL? And unfortunately for the Stingers, it didn't go very well. I think their opening game they had a huge lead, and then yep. they got they got burned by the Elam. Well, they didn't get burned by the Elam; they burned themselves. But uh, that finish has been much talked about, and you know, there's people in the, that watch the NBA saying that they wish they would go to that instead of going into overtime. But uh, tell me, or tell me about just. The, the big success of the Elam ending. I just love it. Yeah, you know, thanks. It, you know, it was it met with a bit of resistance in the beginning in 2020, which was our second year. We were heading into the bubble um, during COVID, and we I, I looked at it as an opportunity, and I had been following uh, this this concept, and I just you know, as a non-basketball guy, I didn't have to get caught up in the, the drama and the, you know, of, of the game itself. I just looked at it fundamentally as okay, this is a better finish. The players play better. It's backyard basketball. Next bucket wins. It's doesn't last forever. There's no needless vowels. It's it's pure basketball, and you know, for a fan to be able to sit and watch right to the end of the game. And in every one of our games, fans stay to the very end, and whether it's a blowout or not, because there's still that possibility that the trailing team, like the game you mentioned, came back from 16 down and went on a 20, you know, 26 to eight run and, and won the game. Um, that's the magic of it. Okay, so we're at 10 teams now. Is there any other markets that are knocking on your door going, hey, we're interested in joining the league here, or are you good with 10 teams for now uh, in in the short term? I'm good with 10, but I think we'll see 11 pretty soon. We're okay. heading out to Quebec City um, just short of two weeks to hold our first ever uh, Clash event, which is kind of like our all-star uh, showcase. So that is a market that, uh, you know, this is kind of the final final look at what we can do there. And sales are already, you know, north of uh, four, closing on 5,000 people uh, at the Videotron Center. So w- we feel pretty good about what's go- what's going to come. Oh, that's pretty cool. Two teams in Quebec uh, would, be, would be awfully nice. You have a natural rivalry there like you have here in Calgary or in Calgary and Edmonton here in Edmonton and with Calgary so that's great so uh, yeah I'm just excited to see uh, the success of the league and uh, um, you're to be commended Mike always love having you on talking about at the end of the year just how good things have gone and I'm I'm so happy for the the success story of this league because um, I mean, you. Let's face it. You were the first league to get going during COVID, and we got to remember that as well. You f- started your season and you finished during COVID. That's impressive. 
Well, well, thank you. I mean, I I take all that encouragement just makes me work harder. I mean, you know, I, I always praise the CFL because that is where I learned, you know, this business and, and how domestic sport works. And I just had the luxury of being able to create it from scratch. And, um, I, and you know, I'm really proud of it because it gives now players like me, but just, you know, the opportunity, but now just in a different sport. And uh, it works if you do it for the right reasons. All right, Mike Morielli joining us, Commissioner of the CEBL and also analyst for the Hamilton. Hamilton Tiger Cats on the Tiger Cats Audio Network, and uh, we bring uh, that to the focus now as the Elks and Tiger Cats will meet on Thursday from Tim Hortons Field. Four o'clock countdown to kickoff. Five thirty is the kickoff. The Elks looking for the first win in a team that uh, that's in their sights, I guess, uh, or a team that they if they want to be relevant in the playoff picture, they got to beat Hamilton. But they have three wins already. But they made a pretty significant change last week, not uncommon to what the Elks did a couple of weeks ago, and that is move on. Well, not move on from Stephen McAdoo, but reassign Stephen McAdoo. Jerry Jackson's the offensive coordinator, but Tommy Cundell and the Ticats part ways. Scott Milanovic, who was there already, is now the offensive coordinator. And, you know, the questions that are being asked about the move here, I want to ask you, how much can change with a new coordinator uh, mid-season, even though they may not exactly revamp the offense? Or can you do much with the offense, even when there's a new voice in there? It's difficult. You're going to have to take, you know, you know, Scott Milanovic being there and being able to see the offense. He's going to take, you know, versions of that offense and, and maybe slightly tweak them. But you can't move on entirely from, you know, what you've been working on because just verbiage and communication, it just, it just can't happen, and especially in a situation in Hamilton where you've now had multiple quarterbacks in that room. I mean, that's just a cause for bedlam. You know, I can see that huddle already. So it's likely they don't, you know, stray too far, although Scott has been watching and probably looking to implement stuff you know from his perspective that'll work so those teams are always a little bit dangerous no difference than you know the other day when when Edmonton came out when you guys came out against Winnipeg you shocked a few people because of the change a couple new wrinkles Trey Ford so those you know both teams are a little bit dangerous at this point and I don't think there's a clear winner here is it just the case too that uh, you know? So here, Scott Milanovic comes in, or Jerry Jackson comes in, and says, "Okay, I'm looking at the player cards, and I'm going, okay, uh, I'm not going to really change anything, but maybe I'm just going to say we're going to emphasize these plays for this quarterback, and maybe these plays in this scenario." Uh, you know, because one line that has been said on this show is, uh, and by you know, people that you know, I know I think Blake Dermott has said this on our show, our in-game analyst, is that some coordinators have trouble getting off page two of their player uh, of their playbook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So is it just a case where, you know, a new coordinator goes, okay, we're not going to revamp anything, but maybe we haven't touched these plays for a while, so we're just going to try them. Yeah, very much so. They're going to have to, like I said, they've been waiting at the sidelines, kind of waiting in the wings, seeing what possibly could work. It, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't want to get into the locker room stuff because I don't know, but, you know, there's probably things that the backup or the next man in wants to do. And um, in both cases, that can lead to, you know, just defenses that have no idea what's going on. And that's, that's why you get some of those high point scored games when teams like that play after changes. It could be a coaching change at the head uh, level. It could be in the offensive side, but you try and stay consistent, but there's going to be some new stuff. Mike, I appreciate your time tonight on uh, Inside Sports, and nice to have you on again. Congratulations on a great CEBL season, and uh, we'll see what happens on Thursday. It's one of those nervous games, isn't it, <laughs> Tim? Hortons it is. Field. I, 
It is. I got to, I'm heading home there soon from here, and uh, got my good friend Darren Flutie going up in the Wall of Honor. So I think oh, it'll be great, great. To, to to see him. And it, they planned it obviously with the Edmonton and Hamilton game, so extra special for him. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. No problem. Take care, guys. Mike Morreale, Commissioner of the CEBL, also uh, analyst for the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the Tiger Cats Audio Network, and uh, yeah, Darren Flutie played a couple years here in uh, '96, '97. In fact, uh, left with Danny McManus and Ron Lancaster. Um, and I'm pausing here because something has come down from uh, the Edmonton Elks, courtesy. Breaking, breaking. Yeah, courtesy of Farhan Lalji, who just tweeted, uh, this was about 13 minutes ago, hearing that Elks uh, team president, Victor Kui, will be parting ways with the team. The move could become official as early as tomorrow. So that's all we have right now. And that's all I can, uh, that's all I can tell you at the moment. So again, Farhan Lalji reporting from TSN that the Elks and team president Victor Kui will be parting ways and that move could become official by tomorrow. So it's been tough. Been tough for the uh, Elks, obviously off the field, on the field. This doesn't help at all. Um, Sources just telling me that uh, this has been kind of brewing for a bit. So I'm not sure what's going on exactly, but it sounds like this has been building for a while. So how it gets flushed out, I don't know. Details, I don't know. Um, But apparently this has been coming to a head for a little while. So we expect soon, as early as tomorrow, according to Farhan Lalji of TSN, that the Edmonton Elks and Victor Kui, their president and CEO, will be parting ways. And yet another blow to the green and gold, unfortunately. Wish I had better news, folks, but uh, that's just the way it is. The club will continue to prepare for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Hamilton. Day three tomorrow. They'll travel on uh, Wednesday, game on Thursday. And what's the next move for the president's role? I mean, right now, I mean, I, I'm trying to think right off the bat here. Is Does Tom Richards take over that role? Does he have a duel? Like, I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works, folks. So on the fly, I'm trying to think of scenarios here. Does, does Tom Richards become the president and CEO? Is there a placeholder for that within the organization? I don't know. But I'm sure Tom Richards is going to be quite more involved with uh, the day-to-day stuff in, in his role in, as the board chair. But again, you know, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. But looks like the Elks and Victor Kui are going to part ways as early as tomorrow. This is Inside Sports. It's uh, Campbell and for Wilkie on 6.30, Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right. 6.52. And uh, we are here as well for CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling system. CertainTeed pro all the way. So um, as I went to break, uh, Farhan Lalji of TSN about 20 minutes ago had reported that the Elks and President and CEO Victor Kui uh, will be parting ways. So 
as early as tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the last time we heard from Victor Kui, he spoke to uh, Dan Barnes and uh, TSN. A global camera was in there as well. Just That was after the Hamilton loss on July the 13th, and he spoke you know, pretty candidly just about, you know, this is getting tough, and it's, you know, they're they're doing their best to try and get people to the park, but um, the potential loss of more revenue, and what about the future of Chris Jones? And I don't know if anything changes now. I mean, Chris Jones isn't going anywhere. And, you know, end of the season, we'll see. You know, whatever they do, it's still going to have consequences on the football operations cap, which is five hundred thousand dollars in the you know in the uh, other way for the Elks as far as being able to operate. They they have half a million dollars less to operate because of the uh, dismissals of Brock Sunderland and Jamie Elizondo, GM and head coach, respectively, after twenty twenty one, and they're still paying Jason Moss because that contract was spread out over five years when Brock Sunderland let him go after the twenty nineteen season. So. And we got to remember, too, when Victor Quee came aboard, Chris Jones was already picked, basically by the organization. You know, Ian Murray, the former board chair, I mean, he, it seemed to be his choice. And um, it made sense at the time, I think, just because they didn't have a lot of money to spend on individual, you know, individual GM, individual head coach. I mean, they, you know, Chris Jones has a reputation of being able to do multiple things. Uh, and that's not on Victor Kui. And look, I, I'm i as baffled as anybody why we're in this situation. And now off the field, the club is going in a different direction and not going in the direction of Victor Kui anymore. So again, uh, it, it does appear that this was brewing and does appear that the club maybe felt that they just had to move on. So we'll see. Um, maybe this gets flushed out further. I hope it does. Um, but this is shocking. The whole season has been shocking. 0-9 is not great. It's not great. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just tough. This feels like the perfect storm. And we know what we went through in 21, last season to now. This team has only won, if you go back even a bit further, midway point of 2019, this team has only won nine games. It's the worst stretch since the 60s. So, Anyway, so we'll keep you uh, posted if any other news breaks about this. But uh, Farhan Lalji of TSN again reporting that uh, the Elks and President and CEO, CEO Victor Kui are going to part ways. And the announcement can come as early as tomorrow. Maybe Morley's got a little bit more on it uh, with the Elks this week on 6.30, Chad. That's from 7.30 to 8 tonight. Uh, but we'll uh, let you know if anything else comes down. But that's all we know so far. The Edmonton Marathon is coming up on Sunday. Could it be a full meal deal finally? Uh, this is a very popular event. I know Reed has uh, participated in this event many times. John Stanton of The Running Room will be by to talk about the Edmonton Marathon here on 630 Chet Inside Sports for this Monday evening.